Welcome to Retire Coast, where we discuss all things retirement, life on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and your financial welfare. Bill Anderson, your host, is a serial entrepreneur, having created many successful businesses and holds a real estate broker's license, speaks about personal experiences with each topic. Listen, learn, and improve the quality of your life. Welcome back to Retire Coast. The topic today is going to be how much can you deduct from your losses on rental properties? That's a question a lot of people ask, or at least they think about when they are considering what to do with their rental properties. And for those of you that own rental properties that already know, uh, kind of follow through with us. I want to talk to you about what happens when you sell a rental property down the road as well. So for any of you who are not aware, unless you are a real estate professional, or you are some type of a professional investor and that's what you do for a living and you can prove to the IRS that's what you do, you will not be able to deduct losses from your rental properties in the current year unless you had, of course, any type of income. And in the end, if you're showing a loss, let's say of $10,000 or $15,000, you're not going to be able to deduct that now. Now, not all is lost. You can push that forward until you reach a year in which you have earned a profit. And then you can use that delayed gratification, if you will, against that profit that you might make, say, in year two or year three. Now, it's not uncommon at all for people who buy rental properties to have losses in the first year for a whole variety of reasons. The main one, of course, uh, closing, some of the closing costs that are deductible that first year, uh, and also you have costs involved in setting up the business. Uh, the property itself, maybe you did some maintenance on it, uh, but you've spent some money. You created a 401k, so all this cost all added up. And in the first year, even if you were able to rent it for 12 months, which generally doesn't happen. You'll buy it maybe in March or April, so you're not going to get 12 months of income from the property. So that first year may be a loss, but that loss is not lost forever, uh, although you won't be able to deduct it against other kinds of income, such as W-2 income. It is held in abeyance, and later on, when you do generate a profit in year two or year three, you can reach into that bucket, if you will, and you can apply what you need to, and the rest stays there. If you have a loss in, say, year three because you had major maintenance on the property, you had a terrible tenant that left, and you had to do a lot of work on it, and you had another loss, well, that loss just carries forward and adds with the balance of the previous loss. If you go two or three or four years with losses, which you're not terribly concerned about because you bought the property really for long-term investment purposes, then all of those losses will carry forward and just accumulate until you need them or you sell the property. Now, if you sell the property for a profit, you can dip into that bucket of the delayed gratification, I call it, 
and you can apply it against the profit. So let's just say, for example, that you have $100,000 in accumulated uh, expenses piled up, and you made $100,000 when you sold the property, you're going to break even. You won't have any tax liability. That's how it works. I know that I've talked to investors in the past, new investors, that thought that they could write everything off. And that, that's not really the case. Even if you create a limited liability company where you're entitled to write off expenses, those expenses end up coming to your tax return and you're not going to be able to use that for the current year. Again, uh, that's called passive income and that be, that's pushed down the road. So it doesn't mean that you shouldn't move forward with any plans you have to have rental properties, even if you think those properties may lose income uh, for the first year. You may be generating some losses. And if that fits with your plans, that's fine. Just keep in mind you won't lose that money, but more importantly, you won't be able to write off those losses in the first year if you thought you could to reduce your current year or the next year, for example, a tax liability, then you cannot do that according to the IRS. But as I said, there are silver linings in many of these tax codes, and one of them is that you do not ever lose the opportunity to apply those losses against future income. It's a little bit like gambling when you go to the casino if you make some money and it's reported to the IRS, you can grab all the information from the other casinos or that casino showing losses that you have, and you can offset that. You can't go uh, with any extra losses, however, and that's the case really with real estate. It's very similar to that. But that loss will come back to you down the road. So it will definitely be a benefit to you. Now, depreciation, which is part of this whole process on the tax uh, return, you're able to take 1 27th, take a property and divide it into 27 and a half years, and you take that uh, 1 27.5 year, and that's what you get for that year for your depreciation. Uh, what that is simply is that the government believes that the property is going to depreciate or be worth less over time. They're giving you a credit for that. So you'll be able to take that depreciation and deduct it from income. Uh, so depreciation is a good thing. It allows you essentially to borrow from the government tax liability you may have uh, that you'll catch up with when you sell the property. So the way depreciation works is that when you sell the property five years, six years, seven years, ten years down the road, for example, um, you'll have to pay that depreciation back uh, out of the profits that you made on the property. In other words, the government says, hey, uh, you owed us X dollars that we allowed you to essentially borrow from us in year one, and then year two, year three, year four, and now we want it all back when you sell the property. So that's essentially what that is, is a kind of a short-term or even a long-term loan of funds uh, that you're not paying taxes on right away. And I uh, can 
more or less kind of equate that to a 401k plan where you're able to put more money in right away because the government doesn't tax you. So you're essentially using the taxpayer's money for a long period of time, but eventually you'll have to pay that back. So it's somewhat similar. The government gives us and the government will take it back. And that's essentially how depreciation works. That's the other kind of element along with any loss that the depreciation adds in with any operating losses that you have to come up with that total loss that you will move forward until you can use it all. Now there is a way for you to actually be able to deduct it from current year income, other income, such as maybe retirement income, Social Security, the portion that's taxable, uh, any money you've taken out of your 401k plan, other kinds, other sources of income. And the way to do that is if you can prove to the IRS that you are a real estate professional, which isn't difficult to do if you're not employed and you are an investor. Now that happens to many people that are retired that are living in part from the income that they're earning from their various properties. Sometimes the property doesn't generate an income. Maybe they have one that, that's not generating one and one that is generating one. Uh, so at the end of the day, there's uh, some type of a loss, and they're absorbing that loss from their real estate business by pulling funds out of 401k and other areas. If there is a loss in those circumstances, they may be able to prove that they're real estate professionals because they're managing the property. They are taking an active role in deciding who goes into the property, collecting the rents, uh, having uh, responsibility and being involved in the maintenance of the property, paying the taxes, uh, all those tasks that are involved. And if you can show that you're doing that, then you may be able to get a current year deduction as a professional. Uh, you may still be able to use a property manager and still claim yourself as a professional if you are engaged with a property manager making joint decisions on the property. Now, I am not telling you to do this here. Understand that. This is just my impression of how the law does work. Um, and you should seek help from a CPA, preferably, or a tax person that can advise you on whether you would meet the test as a real estate professional or whether that's even important depending on your circumstances. If you are for example, retired and you're living from income on your properties, which generally means that you're making a profit, this is not really an issue. But if you end up with some real problem at a property where uh, it burned down or you didn't have insurance or you had to make major improvements into it and put in tens of thousands of dollars, which wiped out all of the income for the year, and that does happen, then you would really want to take a look at it and say, hey, maybe the best thing for me to do is to uh, work with my CPA and see if I can qualify as a real estate professional so I can deduct all of this the first year from any tax liability that I might have from other income that I've taken, which is taxable. 
so I'm just bringing this up as a topic for you to think about. But again, don't do anything unless you seek professional help to be sure that you meet the test. IRS is tough on this testing system because a lot of people apparently in the past have tried to skate uh, and get by and say that they're a real estate professional when really they have a full-time job someplace and just because they collect the rents and they do a few things on the property it's not satisfactory it doesn't put them into the number of hours there's a test for the number of hours that you have to spend during the year I mean, you really have to show that you're a professional and most people that own just a few properties aren't going to be able to pass that test so back to the taxes again be sure that you're working with a competent individual that understands business taxes preferably that you have separated your properties from your personal income and all of your personal activities so that you can prove to the IRS that the expenses that you're claiming are legitimate and it's best if you create a limited liability company which will also help to isolate your liability down the road if someone gets hurt on the property and they come looking to you for it because you own that property directly in your own name then they can come after anything else that you own in your own name such as your house or your cars or anything else that's paid off so it's better to take a hard look if you're a real estate investor even if you only have one property and possibly create a limited liability company this way you set up everything from your accounting to your uh, deed etc all of that is owned as a, as if it's a separate entity isolating your personal assets from your business it also makes it very clean to have the income and the expenses come in and out of the same checking account and it's separate from your personal account altogether. So I'm recommending that you consider this if you haven't already done that. And then you can read about how you can make that happen. If you go to our website, retirecoast.com, you'll find articles on this, a number of articles on investing and how to uh, deal with 401ks and other assets that you have uh, that you may want to use to buy properties. Uh, we've written a lot of articles, uh, again, at our website, which is retirecoast.com. Well, thank you for coming to this very abbreviated session, and I hope that you come back and listen to other podcasts that we have. We like to vary our topics, give you something on lifestyle, something on finance, something about living on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, which I love to do. So, again, come back to us. And I thank you for listening this time.